Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much this morning that you have called us to this place to glorify your name. Be with us as we worship you, and may you encourage us through the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I welcome you to Garland Fair. I'm excited to be here. I don't like to give any excuses when I'm standing here. It's not a place to give your concerns. It's good to see you. I see Pastor Jackson is in this place. I only, I wish I could sit down and the pastor takes over. I was hearing uh, that there was uh, a, a, a tornado that ravished across uh, Dallas. It was Brother Salmon who was uh, sending me messages wherever I was. He was keeping in touch. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. I'm so thankful that we can all come here uh, to worship. Uh, we don't worry about the numbers. As a matter of fact, the message is about numbers. God is not even interested in those numbers. I want to remind you that some of these tornadoes, uh, they are not from God. God does not need eight or nine or ten tornadoes to destroy. He only needs one. If you read the book of Job, it tells you that the devil, he wrapped himself into the wind. And then he destroyed Job's children. So don't just say it's mother nature, but the devil has tendencies to get and wrap himself into something, and then he destroyed. I'm so excited to be home after a week of traveling. And uh, you know, I, this message was born up there because I was scared. But then I ran into the book of Judges. And I want to briefly call your attention to the book of the Judges. In the seventh chapter, beginning with the second verse, and a few of the following verses we read as follows. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands lest Israel vow themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. 
verse 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. But if I say this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go with you. The book of the Judges provides us historically many valuable things. We learn, for example, how districts and tribes functioned within Israel historically. The period of which we are concerned with this morning is that pre-monarchial period, that period of the judges before Israel had kings, before the period historically that they took on the ways of the Canaanites, before they adopted the practice or practice that were practiced by the country farmers or city dwellers when Israel was ruled by judges, such as Samson, such as Samuel, and others. Gideon being among them for his very name, Gideon, implies those who are governed. Israel at this point was in a crisis as an ethnic group. She was in a crisis and it seemed unfortunately the only way to resolve her crisis was to go to war with the Midianites was to go to war with the Jebusites, was to go to war with the children of the East, because she, Israel, was enslaved. If you see, look at Judges chapter 6, verse 2, you see that the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites fled to the mountains where they made hiding places for themselves in curves and in dens. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. The worst thing is that the Midianites were also the brothers of the Israelites because Midian was the son of Abraham with his third wife, Keturah. So this was a family affair. So Israel was reduced to starvation by their brother. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord. The reason why the Israelites were in this situation, it was because they did evil before the Lord. And the Lord said, I will hand you over to the Midianites for seven years. You know, the Lord can punish Sometime Israel was in captivity for 70 years. But this time around, it was only seven years. But this enemy was cruel. This was an enemy who was family. And he seek to 
destroy the whole generation because he starved them and took over all their crops, their animals, and all their increase. But then, you know, this enemy did not only want to oppress, but virtual starvation. For the Midianites, they were the enemies of God. And they subjected the Israelites to all kind of indignities. It was so unnecessary in this crisis. It was so necessary in this crisis that God had to produce a hero for God to produce a champion. Then the angel of the Lord, Judges chapter 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the oak tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, had been threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. They had to survive by techniques whereby you had to hide your food. But the angel of the Lord had to make a visitation, and the angel of the Lord found Gideon, uh, who was with his father. And there were bees at winepress hiding the grains for their survival. And the Gideon looked at this angel of the Lord, but he did not know that he was an angel. But he thought he was somebody respectful, or maybe a nobleman, so he had questions in his heart. He said, Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, I need you to listen closely. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Judges chapter 6, verse 13. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. For it seems that it takes a crisis of this kind to produce men that will come up and be equal to the task. It was out of such a crisis that Moses came. It was out of such a crisis that David came. It was out of such a crisis that most heroes have come, men like Eisenhower, men like Gandhi, men like Abraham Lincoln, Men like Nelson Mandela, men like Martin Luther King of America. It has been crises that such men have been produced. For when times grows darkest, God always comes forth on time to produce somebody that's equal to the task. Such crises existed for Israel. And Gideon was the man of the hour. Gideon was a man to effectuate deliverance or emancipation. Judges 6.16, the Lord said to him, I'll be with you, Gideon. 
and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Judges 6, 6, uh, 6 chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 16. Gideon was commissioned. And now, because God told him to go, so he was commissioned. But oh, Gideon had problems. Gideon had problems. He wasn't sure the man he was talking to was God. And he wanted a sign from God. So Gideon said, and, and now when his commission was clear, one of the first deference things he did to his oppressors was to break down their altar and to destroy the grooves around it. For you know, in these distant times, those people back in the day, they used to worship uh, things like mountains. They used to worship like rivers or oceans, uh, what is called animism. Because they believed that those high places possessed spirits and spirits dwelled or occupied such places like mountains or rivers. So the worshipers of Baal, they uh, adopted this practice uh, of exalting uh, hills or mountains or rivers. And of course, even those who had the Yahwehistic philosophy often built altars on high places and in the midst of the grooves where they had the impression that spirits dwelled. They believed that when you are walking in a forest, there are spirits that dwells in the forest. If you are in the ocean, they believed there were spirits that occupied the oceans. That was their beliefs. The worshippers of Baal had the same inclinations and at one of the places, uh, they build altars and they worship in this kind of way. But in order uh, for Gideon to violate and defy these oppressors, Gideon got his followers around him and broke down the altar and of Baal and chopped down the sacred trees that constituted the groves. And Gideon was ready for the consequences. He was ready. The Baal worshippers and Midianites inquired who had dared to violate these sacred rites and prerogatives. Oh, my brothers and sisters, if God is before us, who can be against us? Gideon did not hide that he was the one who destroyed their altars. Neither did his father, who was also involved in this practice of idolatrous practice. He stood up for his son and said to the people of his faith, this was almost like apostasy on his side. He contended that the people had no right. They had no right to do harm to Gideon, his son. For let Baal defend himself. If Baal is a spirit god, then he should defend himself. Of course, the Lord made it plain to Gideon that his hour of history had arrived. I think a man has to be very presumptuous to immediately assume that he has a divine commission 
a man who is really directed but that transcended divine power suddenly feels some hesitance in embarking upon such an important commission. Gideon said, Lord, I don't want to make a mistake. I have the feeling that you called me, but I don't want to be too presumptive. I would like you to certify my calling, certify my commission. If you really called me, let me know. I want a sign. I'm going to lay a fleece tonight. And if it is your will, if I'm really divinely commissioned, I want you to let the dew fall on the fleece and let the ground around it dry. This will verify and certify for me. And the next morning, when he awoke, he went to just check the fleece. And of course, he wrung a bow of water or dew out of the fleece. He said, now, Lord, I don't want to express real doubt, but at the same time, it would create uncertainty in me if I don't test this thing a little further. I would like to feel that, I wouldn't like to feel that it is an accident. If I'm really right, I'm going to really fleece out again tonight. And if I'm really making no mistake, let the dew be all around and let the fleece be dry. And of course, this verified and divine certified evidence that you will be with me through it all. If you want to check out on the fleece, it's Judges chapter 6, verse 40. After that, Gideon, he went forth to conscript an army to draft the men that would help him in God's work, in God's fight for the freedom of religion, in God's fight for economic freedom, in God's fight for social freedom, in God's fight to deliver men whose spirits and whose bodies were not only oppressed, but whose spirits were oppressed. This was God's fight. And the oppression, the oppression or suppression of mankind and of humankind is always God's fight. It was God's fight then, it's still God's fight today. And those who join and join God in throwing off economic and political or spiritual shackles, they are engaged in the work of God. When Gideon made his call for the men to join the army, 32,000 men responded. 32,000 men came forth. 32,000 coming from a small nation of Israel, this was quite an army. Israel was just very small back in the day. But this army was quite an army, so to be able to immediately respond to any urgent call. But when these men came, feeling that they were engaging in not only a popular war, but an essential and necessary war. Remember, they were being starved by the Midianites. 
Their children had no food. The enemy was more strong, and they were running away. Now Gideon called the army as instructed by God. But the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many. Lord, you tell me that I have too many? When I'm trying to fight a three nation, you have too many. Lord, I'm trying to build an army here to fight the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the children of the east. You have too many. God says, you got too many. These people who, are called, who call themselves God's people, with the number that they have, will decide within themselves that if they gain victory, that they brought deliverance by their own hands, by their own numbers, by their own strength. They will forget that the divine was involved. Oh, my brothers and sisters, we should always remember that God is involved and present in every success and every failure in our life. Let's never forget the presence of the divine in our lives. God, God wants us to put our trust in him. No matter the situation you are going through, don't forget God. God says they will forget these Israelites, these God's people will forget that the divine was involved. They will forget. They will forget that victory belongs to God. They will forget. You got too many. You got too many, Gideon. If you don't think that you have too many, I would like to suggest the first test. I want you to call them and tell them to meet you by the river, by the water. And tell them when they gather before you, all of those who are fearful, they can go back home. This is called the fear test. If they can stand the fear test, they are eligible. If they can stand the fear test, they are worthy to go along with you. If they can stand the fear test, then they have passed. But if they cannot stand the fear test, you will see that they are not ready to go with you. Oh, my brothers and sisters, how definitely does fear figure in our programs today? Many respond rather peculiarly. Many of us do not respond at all because we are afraid. Many of us withhold our health at church and withhold our tongue and withhold our cooperation and contribution totally because we are afraid. Many of us are not happy. Many of us cannot live creative lives. Many of us do not live productive lives totally because we are afraid. Fear blinds. Fear paralyzes. Fear hinders. Fear makes us stumble. Fear makes us reluctant to give ourselves and to give our all just because of fear. The man or woman who cannot cooperate, who cannot adjust with his brothers and sisters and with all his fellow men, 
Usually, if the truth be found, it is because of fear. The man who is jealous of his wife and who can do a good day's work is usually afraid, for all jealous is fear. And God knew that the fearful soldier had no business on the battlefield because he will endanger not only his own life, but those who are fighting with him. A coward will get everybody killed. They didn't stand the fear test. In psychology and in psychiatry, we hear so much today about people who are neurotic because of basic and underlining fears. And that is not only true today, it was true then. And 22,000 couldn't stand the fear test. The second test was the combat test or the functional test. You see, the Lord said in this instance, since you have only 10,000 left, your numbers have come down from 32,000 to 10,000, and you still got too many. Lord, do you mean to tell me that I must meet the enemy with less than 10,000? Yes, 10,000 is too many. Because you see, in crowds, some people hide. In crowds, some people shut responsibility. Some people hide in groups and get the credit of something which they have not done. In crowds, you know how peculiar crowds are. If it wasn't for crowds, you wouldn't have mobs. You know something about crowd psychology. So let the Lord, the Lord knew that even 10,000 was too many. And so he said, I want to execute another test. I want you to take them down to the water and let them drink. And I want you to study their methods of drinking. From the way they drink, they will determine whether or not they are worthy to take them all there and let their drinking habits separate them. The man that goes down to the water and sprawls out on his knees and on his hand and drink without raising his head and lick water like a dog without looking up or looking around is not ready to go on the battlefield. He is not ready for he is not an enlightened soul. He is not a cognizant or potential, uh, of potential danger. He is too self-centered. He is primarily concerned about his own selfish aggrandizement and his own selfish pursuit. But he is not concerned about the danger that potentially around him. And if he gets down on his knees and hands and lick water like a dog, put him to one side. If, of course, he goes and assumes a posture of standing and dip the water up to his mouth and look around and keep watch to see if there's an enemy approaching, if he dips, if he can forget about his own needs and be watchful and stand him 
stand him to one side. He's a good soldier. He's an elite soldier. He is dependable soldier. He is the kind of soldier that God can use to bring victory to Israel. This was surprising to Gideon and very astounding to Gideon that you start with now from 10,000, he was only left with 300. 9,700 had rendered themselves completely incapable and there was only 300, uh, 300 left to fight with Gideon. And now, this, I'm sure, was troubling to Gideon. It would have been troubling to me to have started out with 32,000 and now end up with only 300. I think this would have shocked and disturbed almost anybody. But then you see, God has to have a place. And of course, God can take what appears to be inadequate and insignificant number. God can use just a willing few to do a masterful job. We know that the divine, we know that the eternal is with us. Only 300, when they were compared with numerous soldiers of the Midianites, there were only 300. And it looked pretty bad for Gideon. And uh, it looked bad enough for Gideon to go to God and worry the Lord about his reduced number, about how the number had gone down, and how alone and how inadequate he felt. And the Lord said to Gideon, maybe you don't trust me, and maybe you can't understand my ways, and maybe my way is so high above your way that you cannot understand me. Maybe you can't follow my way because my path is in the sea and there no, there's no way for you to track me down. For I walk on the water and leave no tracks for men to follow. But I tell you to give you assurance and to give you the kind of uh, uh, encouragement you need as the general. I want you, Gideon, to get up at night. Get up tonight and go down to the enemy's camp. Wait until it's late. Wait until it's dark. And hear what the enemy is saying, testifying about the goodness of God. If you go to Judges 7, 11, you see that, the, listen, listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you'll be greatly encouraged then you'll be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the outpost of the enemy camp, Judges 7:11. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he thanked God. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianites, Judges 7, verse 15. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched all the Midianites rushed out in a panic, shouting as they ran. Judges chapter 7, verse 21. 
So what I did is I combined two books together, chapter 6 and chapter 7. So now this is what God did for Gideon. Now they won. God promised him, whatever God has promised you today, not Gideon, but you today, whatever God has promised you today, he will fulfill. He always deliver on his promises. My dear brothers and sisters, all you have to do is hang on to your faith and outlive your enemies, outlive your crisis, outlive your bad situations, outlive your misery, outlive your disappointments. The Lord promises to be with you, and I testify this afternoon, you are not alone. And the Lord said to him, Gideon, surely I'll be with you. And surely you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And he did that. Oh, there's just nobody like him. You know, God has given him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. There's nobody like him. He is the one who created the world with nothing. And with a gesture of his hands, waves will fall. He scooped up the seas with the palm of his hand, dug deep the gorges and piled up the hills, and propped up the mountain by his will. There's nobody like him. Well, he's the one who smiles in a rainbow and laughs in the lightning. He's the one who takes stars and fastens his vest with them. There's nobody like him. Well, his hand is firm and friendly. His heart is true and tender. His help is always timely. In his presence is the fullness of joy. There's nobody like him. Well, he has a name. That's above every name. I say to his name, there's no harm. To his fame, there's no finality. To his claim, there's no confine. To his love, there's no limit. To his honor, there's no horizon. To his beauty, there's no boundary. To his truth, there's no terminus. To his mercy, there's no measure. I'm trying to tell you that there's no one like him. When it comes to judgment, he will do what is right because he is a righteous judge. You know, we have to go to court trying to get justice, all that. But he is a ruler that will do right. He is righteous in his rule. He is lustrous in his love. He is famous in his fullness. He is glorious in his grace. He is precious in his peace. He is judicious in his justice. He is bounteous in his blessings. There's nobody like him. What I like about him, he never retracts a promise. Whatever he has promised you, he will deliver upon his promises. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. In that promise, you can read it backwards and forth. It means the same thing. You leave nor forsake, never will I. He will never relinquish his power. He will never forsake. He will never retract his promise. He will never repeal a pledge. He never slumbers nor sleeps. He never in a hurry, but he's always on time. 
he never in a hurry. I'm always hurry, I'm always running, but I'm always late. But he's never late. There's just nobody like him. He procured redemption, he promotes peace, he purifies sin, he loves the sinner, and he has the sin. And he's provided access to the throne of grace through prayer, through prayer, so that one like you and I can get in touch with him anytime, anywhere. There's nobody like him. Don't you, don't you go down living life's road regretting. Come to Jesus. Come. Here is the only one. He is the only one who can serve you. Come to Jesus. That's all the name you can pray in. Come to Jesus. That's the only name we can depend on. Come to Jesus. He is the only one that can go with us every step of the way. You see, in few minutes, the church will be over. And each one of us is going to have to go our separate ways. But God is able to go with every one of us simultaneously. Oh, he's so good. He can go with you, and God knows he's with me also. There's just nobody like him. Can you, if you can only receive him today, like Gideon, he promised him, and his promise came through. Can you trust him today? If you have not, you can do it right now, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. You don't have to leave here and go and talk with anybody else. Just come on to him. You don't have to go and get somebody to recommend you. Just come. You don't need a long list of references. Just come as you are. Receive him as he is. And his grace will serve you. I'm trying to tell you there's nobody like you. If you come to him, you have passed the fear test. Because in him there's no fear. And he said, don't be afraid. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Oh, you can see. Through it all, through the storms, Job said, even if you take everything away from me, I know my Redeemer lives. You know, the human brain is just complicated. If you lose everything, I swear, I don't have to. But you rebuild everything. If you lose everything today, you'll be shocked in two years, you have another garage full of stuff that you don't even need. But Job knew that, that my Redeemer, my Redeemer lives. Thank you so much, and may God bless the reading of his word. God good? There is no love that a love of Jesus. Number 309, let us stand together. Number 309.
Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we humbly come before you and we are very thankful that you keep your promises. You never retract a promise or repeal a pledge. We thank you that you're faithful to us even when we're not even faithful. I want to pray for those who are sick in this church. That may you surprise them with a blessing of healing. Life is not worth living when you're in pain. But Lord, we know sometimes you use pain that we may focus back to you. I pray for those who are discouraged, those who are going through situations, those, Lord, who are just doubting themselves like Gideon. And some of them are praying for a sign. But, Lord, the sign is in your word. If they just open that Bible and just pray to you, those answers will come. Now, as we depart from this place, may we never depart from your presence. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.